Hello, this is Alan Shipnuck, back for another podcast with a knockdown. Our guest this time around is Maverick McNeely, one of the more intriguing and celebrating young players to come along in quite some time. Of course, at Stanford, uh, Maverick had a blockbuster career. He won the uh, Haskins Award as, as Player of the Year. He shot a little 61 at the Pac-12s to tie a record set by a guy named Tiger Woods. And yet, as the son of uh, the billionaire founder of Sun Microsystems, Scott McNeely, Maverick considered uh, skipping PGA Tour and going into the business world where he had many opportunities he could have pursued. But ultimately, the siren song of the tour was too strong. And so now he's trying to play his way into a tour card via seven sponsors exemptions. Enough preamble. Uh, Maverick, thanks for taking the time to do this. Oh, thanks for having me. So this is uh, start number two as a professional. Yeah, you got off to a nice little run there at the Safeway. Uh, had the lead early at what on Friday. That must have been kind of fun. It, it was fleeting, but still fun, I imagine. Yeah, I, you know, Safeway ticked a lot of boxes for me. I got to play four rounds as a professional. Um, got a taste of T1 for what was it, maybe 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was a great learning experience for me, for sure. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm really excited to see how my game stacks up. You know, it's, it, there's, I have six more starts uh, this week included and uh, Q School as well. And there's a lot of things that are going to be different about, you know, playing this kind of a schedule. And, uh, but I, I'm just excited to see how it goes. And it's hard to have any expectations because I just really don't know what to expect. Have you had any sort of a gee whiz moments here in the big leagues where it hits you that, you you know, these guys you were watching on TV your whole life, now they're your colleagues? It's funny. I still feel like a golf fan. I walk around the range and then uh, it's, I, you know, I watch a ton of golf channel and all that. And uh, it's fun, fun to be on the driving range that I spend a lot of breakfast watching. So uh, <laughs> I still feel like a kid in the candy store out there, you know, watching and, and getting to play with and against some of the guys I've, I've grown up watching and idolizing. Is there any, you know, subtle rookie hazing that goes on? Not that I know. Yeah, I should put it this way. I'd love to be a rookie right now. I'm not even a rookie. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, once I get status, we'll see. But, um, yeah, it's, I, you know, all the guys I've played with have been fantastic. This week's been special, especially with uh, Rod Pampling, because he and I share the same swing coach, Alex Murray. So I got to play a practice round with him, practice with him, have dinner with him. And, and he had obviously a ton of success at this tournament last year winning it. So um, there's a lot of great guys on the PGA Tour that I've been really fortunate to learn from. Do you have any self-consciousness in that there's a big media spotlight on you? You've signed a, a number of endorsement deals and you don't have that status. And do you feel like guys are giving you the side eye at all? You know, I, everybody, golf's, golf's an individual sport. And, um, you know, I, not, not to answer your question, not really. Um, but, you know, everyone, the, the way I look at it is I can't control anyone's golf ball other than my own. And um, I'm going to do everything I can to play great. And, you know, what, what everyone else does, uh, you know, doesn't really, uh, there's nothing I can do to affect that. My dad told me if there's something you can do about it, do it. If not, don't worry about it. So, you know, that's, I think everyone out here is really focused on their own game and it's, you know, golf's a hard game. You gotta, gotta do everything you can to control what you can control. And, and, you know, that's, that's been my experience at least. The, the seven starts you have, how carefully are you selecting the venue, the field, or are you just taking whatever you can get? Um, I've been, I've been fortunate to pick a lot of uh, events that I'm familiar with. So Safeway, I played a college event there at Silverado. Um, I just moved uh, about 10 minutes from uh, TPC Summerlin. So I had the whole weekend of practice here. Um, yeah, I, the AT&T Pebble Beach, I've played 
tons of NorCal events uh, around Spyglass. Um, played MPCC a ton. Uh, it, you know, hopefully, um, I, and then let's see, I, I played a college event at Colonial, so I, I'm very familiar with the golf courses we've been playing, and that's uh, that's a huge uh, factor for me. It's just familiarity with the venue and uh, having seen courses in tournament condition. So, very fortunate to have uh, a, a set of events that I'm fairly comfortable with. Yeah. There's there's sort of an official mentor program out here for for would be rookies, right? Do you, do you have um, has a tour given you a big brother type to to walk you through some of the complications? Not yet. Again, I don't have status, so um, I'm not a PGA Tour player yet. I'm just lucky to be playing on the PGA Tour this week, so um, that's the way I'm looking at it. But hopefully, like I said, I'm trying to give myself as many chances as I can to get that status. But uh, again, I'm very fortunate with um, a great network of guys, starting with Rod. Um, you know, Patrick Rogers got to play with him in college. Uh, ben Crane has been awesome to get to know out here. So there's just been a ton of guys that have been really helpful. And um, I'm like that little freshman again, following, uh, copying <laughs> what all the upperclassmen are doing. So the, the Stanford connection runs deep. Have you, have you picked the brain of, of, you know, Tom Watson or Tiger Woods at any events where you've, you've crossed paths with them? Um, I've, I've run into Tiger maybe twice at tournaments. Uh, I got to play the group in front of him at the Greenbrier in 2015, which was pretty awesome. But I think the most I've learned from Tiger was uh, when he came to campus about, it was two and a half years ago. It was right after his first back surgery when he was just back hitting balls. And he spent the weekend on campus. He was in the gym at 5.30 in the morning, crushing it out at the range at 8. And one of us would somehow find the courage to walk up to him and ask him a question. It's like, a Tiger, um, how, do you, how do you hit the stinger? And he'd, he'd start answering. And, you know, another couple would walk over. And finally, all you know, 20 of us, the men's and the women's team, were around him in a semicircle. He's hitting shots, answering questions, telling stories. He was saying, you know, what shot do you want me to hit? So, oh, that stinger, stinger four iron or stinger six iron you hit on number four at Olympic in the U.S. <laughs> Open. You hit that shot. And uh, he was just unbelievably generous with his time. And um, it, was, it was what I learned from that week was that he wasn't doing anything really, really different than all of us. He was just doing it better than everyone else. And uh, that gave me the confidence to just try and find a recipe that works and just do it as well as I possibly can. Yeah, I like that. So... You, you've you've proven that you can win at the collegiate level, and does that mean anything out here? <laughs> um, I you know I I don't I don't really think so. Um, you know, for one, it's it's given me a lot of fantastic opportunities out here, a chance to play tournaments that I you know kind of want to play and uh, just get starts on the PGA Tour. That's huge at this point. Um, but I think the best advantage it's given me is it's it's given me a better idea of what it takes for me to play well and. Out here, the margins are so much more fine. The pins are tucked. They're, you know, the greens are firmer, faster. The roughs harder. Uh, courses are tighter. It's just everything is that much more difficult. Um, but the stuff you feel is still the same. So uh, obviously, everything's amplified a little bit. But um, you know, hopefully, I can draw upon some of the same feelings. You know, if I play into play myself into contention that I had in college, and honestly, that's where some of my best ever rounds came from. Do you feel like there's uh, one part of your game that you're really trying to bring up to tour standard, or is it just a matter of doing everything a little bit better? I, I think it's not really any part of my game. It's more the routine and the travel and everything that's just so drastically different from college. In college, you, you're taking classes, you're getting your work done, and then you hop in the team bus, they drive you to the airport, you fly. 
Um, you stay overnight with a roommate, with a teammate. You get up, you play a practice round as a team the next day, and then you have three days of competition. You fly back and you have class the next day. Out here, you fly to an event Sunday night, yeah, Monday pro-am probably, Tuesday practice, practice round day, Wednesday it's either a practice day or a pro-am, and then it's four days of competition. Um, and it's you're doing a lot more stuff on your own. You're more accountable for your own time. Um, you know, days are longer. There's more stuff going on. It's just it's a, it's a completely different routine. So I think if there's one thing that needs to get better for me to succeed out here, it's just a comfort with that. And I find that every event I play gets a little bit more comfortable, and I'm starting to figure out a routine for a week. And uh, I think the better I can do with that, the better I'll play. You know, golf fans, they see the social media posts and, and the highlights and, and the spreads and the glossy magazines. And, of course, everyone thinks it's a very glamorous lifestyle, which it can be, no doubt. But there is a grind to it that, that's completely underestimated. And you're just getting your first taste of that. I mean, how, how do you pace yourself for an eight-day week, essentially? Yeah, but I'm preface this by saying this is the coolest office in the world. Like, I get to go play golf on a fantastic golf course in perfect shape against the best players in the world. Like, that's the coolest thing ever. Um, I would say that um, everything, I mean, hopefully, in an ideal world, everything becomes much more taxing and tiring than you think. So, and I think that's a privilege that comes with playing really well and being ranked highly. Um, you know, it's, it's really, really cool that people care and want to know. And that's, I guess, that's why we're out here and why we're able to do all this. But um, it's just little things like budgeting a little extra time to get to the tee because there might be people who want an autograph or you know, spending time after rounds. But then again, I don't have the schoolwork that I have to do. I don't have three hours of homework when I get back to the room. I can just you know, stretch and then go to sleep. Um, so it's, it's definitely different. But I think the big change will come for me. And this is, this is actually the first time I've been able to play three events on. I'll be playing here. I'm going straight Sunday evening to Dallas to play second stage of Q School at Craig Ranch and then straight from there to Sea Island to try and Monday qualify. So I think that will be the bigger transition for me because from now it's it's been mostly two home games at Safeway and then moving here and then playing um, you know out of a home state. So I think most of that learning will come this month. Why did you move to the Vegas area? Um, it's so it seems like all the golfers kind of congregate in Florida, Texas, Arizona, and there's a good actually a, a, more people than people realize in Vegas. And it's the closest to home, uh, home being where I grew up, where my family is, where my girlfriend is, uh, where my swing coach, Alex Murray, is. And it's, and also put it this way, my high school roommate, or my, sorry, my college roommate in Palo Alto is paying to live in a four-bedroom house with five other people, what I'm paying for three beds, two baths, <laughs> before the roommate is uh, helping me split the rent. So um, it's, it's way more affordable. It's a great airport to travel in and out of. And... I'm in the Summerlin part, which is way quieter. I forget the strip even exists. And, you know, Vegas is a great place to be if you don't drink and gamble. <laughs> <laughs> and you do neither? I do neither. <laughs> you might last out here a little <laughs> while, kid. So, like you say, there are a lot of tour pros that, that use this as their home base. Mm -hmm. have, have you found kind of a regular game or, or guys to, to um, hit balls like, with? Yeah, I haven't been here very long, but, um, I've you know, my dad was partnered with Kevin Na not too long ago in the AT&T, and I caddied for my dad in one of the rounds, so I got to know Kevin that way. I uh, tried tried for 18 holes to not step in his line, which is, <laughs> that was fun. Um, I actually played a practice round with AJ McInerney and Ryan Moore this weekend out here at TPC Summerlin. Ryan Moore gave me the details on a few sushi restaurants that 
I've, I've eaten sushi the last three nights because <laughs> this place is fantastic. Um, Wait, where's the ocean, though? <laughs> uh, well, Vegas has fantastic food. You find <laughs> that out pretty quick. Um, and, uh, yeah, Scott Piercy is also playing out of the Summit Club, so I've gotten to know him. There's, there's a lot of good players. And then Aaron Wise and Wyndham Clark, guys I played college golf against. John Oda, who's, uh, I think, gonna, he's on the, I think, I want to say Canadian tour. Yeah. So um, there's, there's actually a lot of guys out here and really good guys, too. Yeah. And your ancestral home being Northern California, I mean, this is a totally different kind of climate, different kind of golf. Uh, is that an adjustment for you just to 80 degree days every, all the time and that sun just mercilessly beating down on you? Well, I think, I think it's something I needed to do because anywhere moving from the Bay Area is going to have worse weather than the Bay Area. So, um, and the PGA Tour tends to play in hot climates. Um, there's, you're not really going anywhere that's cold. Um, so I think the Vegas summers, you know, when it's 110 degrees is actually going to be great for me to, if, if I can play in 110, 85 is going to be fantastic. Um, I think that's going to be a, a, a good adjustment and, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to go soft in the California weather. So, yeah. um, no, believe me, I know <laughs> lifelong yeah. California. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think most people who follow the game know the backstory where you're thinking about entering the business world as opposed to coming out on tour and, what ultimately tipped the scales for you to get you into golf? So it's kind of the end of start of January in 2017, about eight, nine months ago that I said, I think this is something I want to do. And I, like I said, I brought my dad, my co coach, Ray, Alex, my mom into a meeting at Stanford. And I said, I want to pursue professional golf. And my dad laid down every single reason why I should. And that's, that's just exactly what he wanted to do. He just wanted me to think through the decision and make just a, like a really well thought out decision, one that I'm more confident in. And he said, the only thing I could do to make a poor decision is to look back or not be decisive or second guess yourself. And so what really tipped the scales for me, I, I started looking into what would life on the PGA Tour be like. I started interviewing managers. I started talking to club companies and apparel companies. I started to talk, I talked to a bunch of players. I talked to Cameron Wilson who, and Patrick Rogers, who've had very different, um, career paths to this point um you know patrick obviously his second year made it made enough uh, points on the web and on the pga tour to get a pga tour card which is incredible in the same year cameron wilson ncaa individual individual champion fantastic player in his own right has kind of struggled um to to gain status so talking to those guys seeing how they like it and honestly coach ray has been a huge uh, resource for me just because he's seen so many players go through it and um, the, the thought process was one, if I went into the business world, I feel like it'd be harder to make a completely committed decision thinking, man, I wish I had just given golf a try, you know, just seen it, just done it for a little while. Um, that's not to say this, I'm, I've made a career decision. I'm not saying I'm not in this for three years. I'm in this for however long it takes to, to be the best version of me, which I'm hoping is number one in the world someday. But, um, you know, that's, I, and then the other one is I have some really, really awesome opportunities in golf that um, I'm really fortunate to have, and they're only going to be available right now. Um, you know, five years down the road, I'm not going to have the chance to get seven sponsors invites on the PGA Tour and, you know, sign endorsement deals with KPMG, Callaway, and Under Armour, and, um, you know, have Peter Webb be my agent. All these, these awesome things that I have going for me right now wouldn't be available in five years. So um, I, I think I made a great decision, and I'm just excited to see where the next 15 years takes me. 
your dad was quoted in the Wall Street Journal saying he was afraid you might be intellectually bored out here. Did you must have given him a hard time about that quote? No, no, that's 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 not true. I think, I think the, what my dad meant by that one is, um, he always tells us to whom much is given, much is expected. It's no secret that um, I have a very fortunate upbringing, that um, my family is very well off, and um, he, he what he what he always says is, you know, you have amazing opportunities and it's my duty to make the best of them and um, I don't know how that's going to be but I just know that I want to work really really hard and and do everything I can to make a difference I'm this, this week has actually helped shape um, some of those thoughts really well I think the Shriners Hospital it, um, and all I, I got to visit one of the hospitals in Sacramento right after Napa actually another crazy story I'll get back to that I was but, gonna ask you yeah get out yeah, of Napa yeah yeah so uh, but you know I, I just think it's it's amazing to see what they do in changing changing people's lives changing kids lives um, and that that's that really makes me feel good and gets me excited and you know I'm I'm the 21 year old that doesn't really know what I want to do with my life other than play golf right now but um, at end goal is to do something that's gonna help people and um, I don't think there's, you know, my dad and I both think there's nothing intellectually boring about that. And I, I have to think that the PGA Tour is one of the most um, charitable organizations, sports organizations in all of, you know, athletics. Like Charlie Hoffman donating all of his winnings, you know, like a bunch of guys doing birdies for um, the Shriners. Um, and, you know, every, all the pros that played in the Monday Pro-Am donated their uh, check for playing Monday to Charlie's uh, foundation for the Vegas shooting victims. I, it's just, a, it's amazing what they do and I feel really good being a part of it. Yeah, it's a great platform. And are you already thinking in terms of your own foundation and how you'd wanna uh, be able to shape the issues you care about? Yeah, I think so. I think um, one of the issues that um, really has, has played a big part in my life is just amateur athletics. I've learned so much from being an amateur athlete, ice hockey, golf, soccer, tennis, basketball all these different sports I played and I think there's so much to be learned from being on a team and learning and you know, so if you're with a, a group of similar individuals working under the authority of um, or working under the leadership of an authority figure that sounds like a job and it sounds like a team right and I think there's a lot of things you learn um, from going about that and, and being in a team setting and I think that um, you know just giving more people the resources and the ability to have an amateur athletics experience and to get something from that that's going to help them down the road. That's something that really excites me. Again, I don't know how that's going to happen, but um, and hopefully I can play some really good golf and, and develop a platform that will let me make a difference there. It kind of changes the focus a little bit if you feel like you're playing for something larger than just yourself. Definitely, definitely. Golf's, golf's a very individualistic game. My dad says it's the ultimate meritocracy because, you know, if I hit the if I, if I hit a great shot, I can take ownership of that. But if I dump it in the water, I'm the one that pulled the trigger on it. So I also have to take ownership of that. And, um, you know, th there's a lot of personal responsibility that goes into it. But it's I've always loved playing for teams, uh, you know, Walker Cup, Palmer Cup, Ryder Cup, ice hockey teams, everything. Um, that's why I played <laughs> high school soccer my senior year of high school, even though I was a terrible soccer player. It was fun playing for a team. So playing for something bigger than you is, like you said, incredibly motivating. Well, once you've been on tour for a while, you realize if you dump in the water, you blame the caddy. There is no, there's no personal ownership. <laughs> no chance. There's, you know, if, if a caddy lets me do that, he's probably not the right guy. You know, I, I'm, I, Travis McAllister's caddying for me. He caddied for Sam Saunders for a while. Um, he made headlines because he, I think, let Sam use his irons, and Sam went on to play awesome some week. But, um, you know, he and I are both good. We take ownership when 
Uh, if he gives me a, a wrong club, you know, that's that's him. If he talks me into the wrong club, that's him. But if I hit if I hit the shot, he didn't touch that golf ball. So that's me. So you mentioned your, your athletic background. You were you were a hockey player for a long time, right? Yeah, yeah it's um, happy Gilmore's the story of my life <laughs> to a certain degree. <laughs> you have all your teeth, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I I, uh, I was not the enforcer by any means. <laughs> I did uh, I did not take my skate off and try and stab somebody. That's not a record I hold. Um, what, what's your best hockey story though? Oh, um, I don't know. I, just, I mean, so many. Uh, some of my favorite years playing with some of my best friends. For the I played for the San Jose Junior Sharks in my senior year of high school. Um, probably the two trips we made up to Canada, there's a tournament called Silver Sticks and there's a regional tournament that was always hosted in San Jose. So our team would play. If you win the regional tournament, which is like 12 teams, you go to nationals in Can or internationals in Canada. It's like a USA versus Canada thing. And um, I think it was 16 unders. I was probably 14 or 15. We made it all the way to the finals and um, we were playing in Pelham, Ontario. And it was, um, it was we, we lost two to one. I actually scored one goal that game. I just kind of slapped at a, a, a puck that was rolling, and it somehow found the it fluttered and found the corner. Um, this guy named Ryan Kujawinski, I think he was drafted in the first or second round by the New Jersey Devils. He had a goal and an assist. And I just remember watching this guy saying, oh, my God, this guy's going to be in the NHL. And uh, he's, he's quite the stud. But, um, you know, it's just, there's nothing like team travel. I mean, in college golf and hockey and everything, traveling with your team, playing in a tournament. Uh, forgetting what day it is because you wake up, you eat, you play a game, you eat, you go to sleep, you wake up and plan two, three games in a day with two naps in between. It's, that's just so much fun. I uh, actually taped the podcast with Jerry Kelly and we spent 80% of it talking about hockey. I mean, he, he it's the defining thing in his life in a lot of ways. And I, you know, my, my swing looks a little bit like a, a slap shot. I think it teaches, it's the best cross training for golf. It, first, for one, it, it makes your hips strong and mobile. Uh, gives you strong base, prevents injury. Um, it's core strength, balance. You're you know skating on two knives essentially, um, and then you know my swing looks a little bit like a, a rotational core strength. That's that's how you get power in a golf swing. So um, my three younger brothers and I all hit it a pretty good distance. They're they're all stronger than I am, but um, you know I think the hockey cross training is huge. I mean, your dad is is a good player. I actually have a funny story. Probably 15 years ago, Golf Digest named him like the best. CEO in the yeah. country. And he, so, he has that um, that framed and put up on the wall. Okay, well, he probably does not have my companion piece of that. So he was playing in at the the Clam Bake at Belle Beach, you know, and I can't remember how. He knew I was, I was saying I want to do a story. It's going to be a little sidebar. And he's one of the amateurs out there. And I went out and caught him, on, I think, on 15. And he hooks his he hooks his shot his tee shot on sixteen OB not far from where you know his house is now seventeen he hooks it in the water eighteen he hooks it in the water he he like and he came off the eighteenth green he's like I totally choked you know and it was it was really funny and the, so you can lord that over him uh, you know, yeah they, we we played the pro am together this morning and he hit a beautiful pitching wedge in on on seven which is our sixteenth hole and he had, it was a stroke hole for him he had like a three footer up the hill he's like god this three net two we make this we can really win this thing and <laughs> tell me he left it short yeah just short left <laughs> no but we had so much fun today I, we, our team actually shot 17 under 17 birdies one par yeah it was a, it was a fun day which but, hole did you par uh, probably... 17 i missed about a 12 footer for birdie <laughs> did you guys win the pro-am uh we'll find out i think they're still finishing up but i think we were leading after the morning there, there's so many sandbaggers probably 28 under one. Oh uh, yeah we we had some serious ham and egg going today it was great <laughs>
growing up in a house full of boys with, with a dad who's kind of an alpha figure, what was what was the the family dinner conversation like? Mm. Uh, I'll, I'll start with there's a lot of body noises. Um, <laughs> so my three younger brothers and I actually all shared a room growing up. There were just really? four beds lined up, and I love that. You know, my entire life I was like, Dad, I want my own room. Dad, I need my own room. There's no privacy. Um, like, but now. I wouldn't have traded one night. Um, I, my, my three brothers and I are so close. We're best friends. Uh, we support each other, stick up for each other. And, um, you know, I, I'm so lucky. I, I, I couldn't possibly have any closer friends than them. And um, I'd probably make my own kids share a room if, my, if, the, if I had boys or girls. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it, dinner conversations are great. It's everybody airs everything out. You know, it's it's, I think... A lot of the parenting that went on actually happened around the dinner table. If one of us was kind of stepping out of line, you would have five down your down your back. You know, my brother, <laughs> one of my brothers came home with skinny jeans one day. He <laughs> did not hear the end of it, and he did not wear those skinny jeans again. If I, you know, they they get on me for having a bit of a D one attitude for you know getting you know thinking a lot about myself and and trying to you know and being like a, a spoiled D one golfer athlete. And if if any of that shows, I don't hear the end of it. So each one of us has our little thing, but. <laughs> you know, if you're you're sticking out of line, you get pushed back pretty quickly. It's a cautionary tale about skinny <laughs> jeans. Yeah, yeah, no, no, not in our family. Hats forward, um, <laughs> no piercings, no tattoos. That's that's the rule in our house. Old school. Yeah, yeah. You know, it it is what it is. People people are different, but that's that was the rule in our house. Yeah. And so, amongst your brothers, who's going to be the best golfer? I don't know. I'll tell you what, they're the reason I work so hard on my game. <laughs> um, yeah, the young, uh, Dakota, he's, he's a sophomore at Stanford. He's, um, he's working hard there. He's playing great. Colt, uh, just got into Stanford academically. going to think about walking onto the team. He actually, uh, qualified for the event at Stonebrae, the web event at Stonebrae. Didn't, nice. didn't play very well, but that was, did he beat Steph? No, he didn't actually. Steph played great. I know he did. <laughs> but that was a that was a great learning experience. I thought that was side note, I thought that was fantastic for the event. I mean Totally agree. You know, top fifty in the world playing, Michelle Wee leading a women's major and the story of the week was a web event. That's so cool. But um and then Scout, the youngest one, uh he's looking at colleges right now, but I think any coach would be dumb to not take him because they'll have a top twenty player on their hands faster than they know. Um but I think the real player in our family is my mom. She hits it 240 on a string every time. Uh, she's she's at an 11 handicap, but I think 14 of those shots are from within 50 yards. But uh, she'd rather aim for the water than the bunker because you don't have to hit it out of the water. So. But it's it's a family ordeal. We can get around to six in about three and a half hours. It's great. And is there a predetermined team? That or you just you, every every time yeah. it's different. So when my th four my three brothers and I play, we have a game where we would play so much faster than the average country clubber. Um, if the four of us are playing and it's it's four and a half hour pace, we have to get six balls in play. So it's me and the youngest against the middle two, and we all play our own ball, but we also do an alternate shot ball. So me and the youngest against the middle two, and so there's two points on the line on each hole: the best ball ball and the alternate shot ball. And the funniest story, the first time we ever did this was number, it was, we were playing at Sharon Heights, our home course, and Dakota and I, Dakota Scout and I, so that's me, the second and the fourth, are yeah. putting out on the second green, and Colt had already finished, he tapped in for his par, went to the next hole, and so on odd holes, Colt was hitting two tee shots, on even holes, Dakota was hitting two tee shots. Got it, yeah. And so Colt, he gets up there, and it's a dog leg left, OB right, trees all down the left, um, and we hear... 
whack, crash, 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 crash. Just thunk straight off a tree, and we see a ball dribble out about 15 yards off the tee. He just <laughs> sniped it left, and we and Dakota goes, Colty, what was that? And he goes, it's okay, that was my ball. As in, like, Dakota didn't have to play from it. And so Scouty hits his putt. I'm lining up mine, and we hear whack, crash, crash, crash again. And a ball dribbles out about 10 yards further up the head. And Dakota just goes, oh, crap. Punched back. And Scouty and I won that hole. But I would hope so. Yeah. Uh, it's just so many great memories from that. That's awesome. So um, how old were you the first time you saw a Top Gun? I, I was in diapers, and I had a little plastic jet, and I would just flying it around in front of the TV. It's not the origin of your name, but that no, must, you must dad, have been like, Dad, what the hell? My dad jokes my mom has a crush on Tom Cruise. But, um, yeah, I never, never heard that one before. But um, my three brothers and I are actually all named after American cars. My dad grew up in Detroit. My grandpa worked in the auto industry. And... Um, it's so Maverick, I think is a Ford sports car, Dodge, Dakota, pickup truck, uh, forget which kind of car Colt is, uh, but it's, it's, it's kind of a boxy, ugly thing, which is <laughs> funny. And then it's a Jeep scout. So, um, it's fun, fun deal. See, and I thought, I thought it was a reference to the surf spot, but that's, that's not yeah, right. There's, there's so many, um, but at some point in my life, I do want to own a Maverick. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, they're probably buy one, fix one up. They're probably rare. You'd have to you have to yeah. look around for that. Yeah, autotrader.com or something. <laughs> you know, you mentioned that you, your long-term goal is to be number one in the world. Mm. How, how do you get there? Um, I you know, number intermediate goal. We'll start with that is to get status. So that's obviously there. But um, I I still think I'm really far behind on the learning curve. There's so much here. From, I've learned so much every week I've played, and I don't know what I don't know. Uh, there's so much so much to learn here but um you know when i started in college i was ranked 3000 something i was thinking there's no chance i could ever compete with guys like patrick or cameron um you know it was their job to win my job to not screw up and we win the tournament as a team <laughs> but um as i played i started to realize it's like these guys are all good but it doesn't look like anything i can't do and um patrick after pasa tiempo he i Got the Posse is a kind of a, a unique event in that it's two players from each team play together and it's foursomes. And so I got to play 36 holes in a row with Patrick Rogers, playing at his absolute best, number one player in college golf by a long shot. I just un, like didn't miss a shot. And um, Cameron Wilson actually chipped in on 17, won that tournament. But I asked Patrick on the way home, um, you know, what do you think? What do you think I could do to get better? What do you think I should do? And he says, I'll, I'll think about it. I woke up the next morning, had a three-page email in my inbox, said, you know, work on pace control with your putting because that seemed a little off today. It's hard to make putts that way. You know, work on shaping the ball and controlling that, hitting a shape that you know you can hit and picking good targets for that. And then he said, you know, you've shown you can, you've shown you can compete, you've shown you can win. You just need to believe that now. And that went straight over my head, and I was like. Winning's your job, um, but I actually, you know, caught lightning in a bottle, qualified for the U.S. Open that summer, which gave me a little confidence that I needed to step up as Cap Patrick and Cameron left, and then won my first two events sophomore year, and that kicked off probably 2015 was the best year of golfing in my life. So I think, I think it's it's hard to tell myself to believe that I can win. I think I have to prove it to myself first. So I think confidence is earned, but confidence is king. Do you still have that, that email, that letter that you sent? Uh, I do. I, I transcribed it, wrote it down on my notebook, uh, still have that. It's, it's pretty, it was pretty amazing to go back and read it um, a year and a half later and about nine college wins later and say, wow, he was, he was right. I just, 
you know, it, it's it's just hard to like I, you, you can't. It, it doesn't count if you don't believe it and if you don't earn it. Yeah. So that's great. All right. Before I let you go, tell tell me the Napa story. Oh man. So it, it's just it's such a crazy story, but. Um, I was going to go visit the Shriners Hospital in Sacramento, so obviously didn't want to drive back to the Bay Area and then right past Napa again to Sacramento. So I stayed the night. I was staying with one of uh, my swing coach's friends uh, at, at his um, condo there, and it was on the other side of number eight, basically. And at Silverado. At Silverado. And this Sunday at Silverado was super windy, just uncharacteristically windy. And as I was going to bed, it's like, wow, it sounds like a storm's coming through. Um, and it also smelled a tiny bit smoky, but I thought it was just the, the neighbors, you know, smoking a cigar sure. again. Yeah. And the lights kind of dimmed and flickered, you know, I was brushing my teeth, go to bed at nine, everything's normal. And then at 1115, Bob, the guy I'm staying with, pounds on the door, j- runs in. I sit up in bed, just completely had no idea what's going on. He says, Mav, Mav, fire department's here. We got to evacuate. You have five minutes to get out. We got to go now. And it smells like a barbecue in the room. I go, oh crap! And just luckily, I packed everything up, just threw threw my uh, toothbrush in the suitcase, and ran downstairs. Go outside, and I couldn't see 150 yards. It was so smoky. Its wind is howling. It's raining ash. Uh, the fire department, you know, he like runs through the house. The, fire, the firefighter runs through the house once, make sure everybody's gone. Runs to the next house. They're not even trying to fight the fire. It's moving so fast. They were saying in parts it was moving three football fields every 15 seconds just because it was so windy and a, a part flies and starts a new fire. And um, they they say take Hillside to, or Westbrook to Hillside or something, the two roads that were there. And they say, they say, is that left or right out of the gate? He says, I don't know. I don't know the area. So I throw my stuff in the car, drive out, go out the gate, look left, and the hillside's orange. Just the, the whole hill's orange. It's close enough. The fire's close enough that I can see the flames through the smoke. I was like, I'm going to go right. <laughs> so I go right. I <laughs> get out of there. That's education paid yeah, off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's crazy. Two and a half hours later, 11 of the 13 houses in that little condo complex were burned down. The one we were in, the one next to it were the only two. Okay. I, you know, uh, Bob sent me an email and said, you know, it sounds like our, our complex was decimated. I said, I'm so sorry. That's terrible. I guess I don't feel as bad about not leaving my bed made when I left and he, he laughed about that went and visited the next day saw it was there sent me a picture of my unmade bed so um, but <laughs> amazing it was, it was pretty crazy spent the night in Vacaville at a, at a actually a, a hotel I uh, stayed at for my hockey tournaments in Vacaville and uh, went to the, um, the the hospital the next day and then drove home well we hope that your, your future tour starts will be slightly less eventful <laughs> but anyway this was a great pleasure thanks for taking awesome. the time well, well, thanks for having me, and you know I appreciate. You know, it's cool that people care and want to know this stuff, and uh, hopefully, it's this was a good good listen. All right. Well, that was an edifying conversation from clearly a very bright young man with a very bright future. So, thanks to all of you for for tuning in. We appreciate the loyalty. Uh, I'll be back with more podcasts soon. I hope. No, I will. Don't worry. Until then, this is Alan Shipanek signing off. Bye bye.